Well, good morning out there. It's October the 17th, 2023 on this beautiful, chilly, cloudy Tuesday morning. This is the day that the Lord has made, and this is the day that we will rejoice and be glad in it. We are so thankful that you have taken time out of your morning to be with us and give us your ear for a couple hours or however long you're able to be with us. Maybe you're going to work. Maybe you are um, going to breakfast. Maybe you're going to go get us hardies and bring us it out here. I don't know what the Lord is leading you to do this morning. <laughs> are you prophesying right there? What are you uh, doing, brother? <laughs> it's, it's worth a shot. Uh, and so, um, but no, God is so good, and we're just very thankful and honored that you all are a part of our mornings as much as we are a part of your morning. And if you want to engage or interact with the broadcast, you can text me at 270-230-6337. You can text a Bible question, comment, interaction, whatever it looks like. You just say, hey, good morning. Uh, We're listening. Whatever that looks like, it always means a lot to us to have that engagement, interaction, and it makes the broadcast go so much better um, whenever we have the family interacting with us as well. Um, but no, it is, it's a good day. And if you want to listen live into the box two radio network, of course you can listen live 91.5 Litchfield Hardensburg. You can listen 91.1 Highsville, Glasgow, or you can listen to 98.3 in Owensboro, Kentucky. And you can listen live as well on the radio, uh, on our web radio webpage, www.box2radio.com. Again, that's the box number two radio.com. Or you can listen to our app. If you have not got our new app, the way you do that is go to your store, whether that be Android or Apple, and you just text, um, you type in Tithely, T-I-T-H-E period L-Y, church app. And then once you type that in, you'll see a search bar. Just type in Box 2 Network. You'll see us tap that push change, and you'll never have to do that again. You have our app as long as you want it. And um, we love our new app. You got the opportunity to have podcasts on there. You have your own Bible on there. Um, you got the prayer wall. You got the events. Um, you got all that just right there at your fingertip within the new app. And I don't know if you can still call it a new app because we've had it for quite a long time now. Um, so it's not new anymore. But if you don't have it or you haven't heard about it, um, we want to invite you to download that and get all the resources that are available on there. And, of course, we're always looking and prayerful and considered into ways that we can improve anything we're doing here so that we can equip and minister to the body of Christ any uh, more than we are even now. And we are passionate about seeing the body of Christ grow. We're passionate about seeing the body of Christ mature. And we want to see the body of Christ come together for the glory of God so that Jesus can be magnified in all the earth and the harvest would come in and that the glory of God would cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. Well, it's Tuesday morning, so we've got Miss Hannah and Brother Josh in there. How are you all doing? Doing good. Doing well, brother. I mean, thankful it's Tuesday again this morning. So Hallelujah. Good to be with y'all this morning. It's, all, it. it's always good to have you. Um, we had, had a great time Sunday night at the service. Um, powerful anointing, good word, and just um, really always an honor to go down to madrid never never disappointing it's always a great service down there and so well we're always thankful to have you and always thankful for the ones that come out and visit because i know uh it seems like sunday nights is a special night for us you know to get together i know a lot of churches don't um have service on sunday nights because they can go out and visit and stuff mm-hmm. so we're thankful for our visitors that come and thankful for brother lance being up and uh you know just uh preparing to keep pushing keep preparing the way so yeah um i always love going into madrid because at this point um you all feel like 
extended family. That's right. Uh, That's right. You know, I always love going in there. And um, <clears throat> I remember the first time I ever walked in the Madrid, I knew a couple of you. And yeah. now when I walk in there, it's just like family reunion. <laughs> yeah. And so at first they'd ask me who's that, and now it's like, oh, there's Aaron, there's Aaron. <laughs> <laughs> so and I just I love I love the family there so much, and uh, and uh, it's always an honor, and I love getting in there and saying hi and seeing everybody, and just the passion and the zeal and the heartbeat and. Um, just how much is a group of people loving prayer and this pursuit right now over there's it's awesome so um, praise the lord I, I love what you guys are doing if somebody says i want to come visit on a sunday night what time y'all have service and stuff josh well uh we have service at six o'clock mm-hmm. sunday nights and our midweek service is at uh our midweek is at six thirty. so yeah. on thursdays so um but this past week of course we uh started at seven on sunday night because of giving Lance plenty of time yeah. to get there. Well, I say plenty of time, but I think he left after their service Sunday morning. Then he got the magic at quarter till. So, mm-hmm. so, I mean, he was pushing, but he really wanted to be there. And we're thankful that uh, we was able to push that time back yeah. where he could be there. So, yeah. Now, normally on a Sunday night, you all got a pretty um, radical preacher, pra- powerful <laughs> preacher that usually preaches on Sunday nights. Um, yeah. we, we like to term him the demon slaying um fried chicken eating preaching the paint off the walls pastor josh well i do enjoy it that's for sure so yeah i don't know about all them names and titles you give me but i'll take them did i miss some <laughs> no I like, the, I like the chicken eating one anyway <laughs> <laughs> every time he says that i just imagine you doing that all at one time eating your chicken while you're preaching slaying the demons all at once if there's somebody can do it it's pastor josh <laughs> but no i really enjoy it i mean i really do so always i mean i always tease uh tease them sometimes when brother billy's gone on sunday mornings and i preach on sunday mornings or whatever i don't know what it is but it's just something about even though i preach every week just about on the radio or i'm here or whatever but something special about preaching at my home church even mm-hmm. though i've been there for 22 years now but something very special about preaching on a sunday morning you know and i still you know i still honor that and reverence that and i mean even though it's home to me, that's my home church. But still, mm-hmm. something about when Brother Bill says, "Hey, I got to be going." You got Sunday morning. Well, just something different about a yeah. Sunday morning. Sunday morning. So yeah, Amen. Y'all got any good events coming up here? You want to announce? As of right now, the only thing that we've got going on differently is uh, we have started a prayer meeting on Tuesday nights for this month for sure. But it may go on. But for this month for sure, we had a few pastors call us from uh, Tennessee, and actually, I think might have been Brother Lance as well, that has said, "Hey, this is what we're going to do for the month of October. Uh, on Tuesday nights, we're going to gather together at our church at six o'clock for prayer." So mm-hmm. it's just putting that out there if anybody wants to. So Brother Billy said, yeah, yeah, that's been on my heart too. So we're going to do the same. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think there's a group of us that we know uh, that are doing that at third local churches. So we thought, yeah, we want to step in and do the same. So 6 o'clock yeah. on Tuesday nights. So Amen. We got our prayer. Amen. Hanny, you got any announcements for us? I don't think so. Just the, uh, I can think of. the Potter's Hope mm-hmm. uh, 25th, 25th. Sixth mm-hmm. and seventh, right? Yeah, yep. the ones on our app. Um, yep. We got the that three day crusade, the twenty fifth, twenty sixth, twenty seventh, at six thirty three. We said, mm-hmm. uh, yep. um, and then the that's at Potter's Hope, 
over there, um, right across from Huddle House, if anyone doesn't know where that is. Um, and then the Rough River Youth Ranch Chili Cook-Off is the only one, mm-hmm. other one. Yeah, uh, the Ref River Youth Ranch Chili Cook-Off's coming up in October the 28th. Um, all the festivities will start officially at 5. You can get there early. It's fine. Start looking around the silent auction items, having the kids play the games. We usually have other games rolling by 4.30, um, and the auction items are usually out by 4.30, so that gives you a little time before we eat to get in there. Um, there's a lot of people rolling around 4. Um, if you want to get your chili in for judging, you have to be there at 3.30. Um, there's going to be games and activities. There'll be a hayride during the actual auction, which starts at 6. Um, it's going to be a great family fun night. It's always a lot of fun, always laughing, always good food. Um, the chili's are always on point. If you don't want to put your chili in the chili cook-off, but you still want to put it in, um, you know, if you still want to bring some chili for people to eat, um, that's great too. You don't have, you do not have to have your chili in inserted into the contest to bring chili that night you could just say you're not getting there till four fifty-five. all right that's fine that's fine we'll plug you in and get your chili out there it's no problem whatsoever <laughs> um we've got some really good, cool games like the um sarah and heather and them's been working on the games and they're going to do like a water bottle flip game this year they've got some other things and we just added something yesterday um josh newton was working on this and he found it finally, so we will be adding a dunk machine this year. Wow! Whoa. Where you can throw a ball cool. and dunk people. So, um, are you going to be in that the whole time? Yeah, no, <laughs> no. Actually, there's a rotation of three of us. I hear you. Um, I'm well, going to be one, I'm going to be one of them in okay. there. Um, we're going to have Jason Miller in no, there. No man. And then the third one that I feel like is probably going to be the most significant one is Justin Hatfield's going to be in there. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Has he already agreed to that? Uh, as far as I understand, he's agreed. <laughs> and then uh, maybe, we can, maybe we can even get Brother Tim in there. Well, yeah, there you go. <laughs> I'm going to go broke that night, ain't I? <laughs> yep. um, and so if you've ever wanted to dunk somebody, not tonight's that night's going to be the night if it's me, Jason, or – um, Justin, and we'll see who else we can get in the tank. Um, it's going to be a lot of fun, so we're excited for that. And that's that's going to be a lot of um, excitement. I know the kids will love being able to dunk Mr. Miller, um, and I will probably go broke trying to dunk Justin. Josh Newton says I will spend five hundred dollars to make sure he goes under the water. <laughs> I said I don't think we'll have to oh, wait man. that long. Um, no. But it's going to be a great night. So that's going to be the dunk machine there. It's going to have that there. Um, you know, we'll have some prizes for the kiddos. Then, like I said, at 6 o'clock when the main auction is starting, then we'll send the kids out on a um, hayride. So yep. that'll be a hayride, and um, the parents can just sit there and enjoy the auction and be a part of that. And so we're just excited for that night. It's always a great night. Um, it's a great night of fellowship and coming together and laughter and the family-friendly atmosphere. And um, I know that a lot of people have, um, I think, official trick-or-treatings that night so um if you're going to ask me between trick-or-treating and going to the chili cook-off i'm going with the chili cook-off every single time not even a thought um and so and if you say well my kids want candy go buy them a bag of candy at the store um we got peanuts and stuff like that (laughs) so it's going to be more significant candy or chili yeah it's going to be it's going to be chili i don't even like chili I was, going to say, I was getting ready to ask you. You don't even like chili. Yeah, do but you? I think Heather's going to make me some potato soup. 
Oh, okay. You do like potato soup. I think she is. And there will be desserts, so. I think she is. Oh, yeah. That, that's where he'll go first. Um, desserts or candy. That's where I'm at. <laughs> like, I would choose a dessert any day over candy. Yeah. Any day. Usually, I, usually I'm, um, you know, I'm, I sacrifice and become the first taste tester of a lot of the desserts. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I want to make sure they're not poisoned. I want to make sure yeah. that nobody's going to get sick off of them. And uh, I try to be diligent in my, um, my what is it, my sacrifice there. So in the Bible, in the Old Testament, was it Nehemiah that was a cupbearer? He went before the judge or the king and I think tried so. all that. So that's what you're going to do for everybody, right? You're going to yeah, try um, all that. <laughs> I feel like that's probably one of the uh, most important aspects of being a leader. <laughs> is that you take the first shots of desserts and just to make sure everybody else is going to remain healthy and safe. Yeah. Hey, I never did ask. Hannah, did you get your pumpkin roll here a couple weeks ago? Yes. Thank okay. you so much, Donna. It was very, very good. And I it for- had the cream cheese and everything. <laughs> I forgot to ask or whatever. And I, did, I don't remember it hearing it. Good. So that's awesome. That's awesome. Yes, yes. Um, <clears throat> well, and then also we have, um, I think – Man Up is having another service the um, 26th. So it's, yeah, third, it's at Clarkson. Correct? It's at Clarkson Community this year. Um, and so Brother Chad is going to be the speaker. He's going to give his testimony. And Brother Danny and them, of course, will be leading worship. And Clarkson Community always puts on a great night there um, with food and fellowship. So if you have nothing to do that night, um, come on out to Clarkson Community. That's October the 26th. It will be that Thursday. I know, um, you know, you got you got a lot of things going on that week. You yeah. have the opportunity yeah. to go to Potter's Hope. You have the opportunity to go to Clark's Community. And then, of course, you need to clear the schedule and come to the Chili Cook-Off on that yeah. Saturday night. So um, just what a great time that week's going to hold. Seems like everybody tries to get to all their uh, fall time stuff in when they, the weather's getting a little bit cooler. You can't really do a whole mm-hmm. lot outside. I mean, you can, but, you know, yeah. it's just a little bit different about gathering inside somewhere. Yeah, so. October I always say October is the uh, the hurry up and do month for the <laughs> yeah, church. That's right. Um, because yeah. the church knows that you can't do much during November, December with all of the Thanksgiving and Christmas. Yeah, and so it just yeah. it just it's very difficult to get things done during November, December. I hear you. And so that's why October and January are always two really big months for the church and. Um, I say everybody and their mama has a revival during October. Um, and so just because, I mean, it really is. It's, yeah. it, the weather's changing. It's getting dark earlier. There's less things to do outside. And then November with Thanksgiving. And then you got December with Christmas and the New Year's falling right after. Um, a lot of churches are very actually inactive during those two months. Yep. And so October seems to be a very busy month for the church in general. Yep. Right, and um, and I know around here, you know, growing up, it's like uh, I remember uh, never hardly canceled church because of weather. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Because on the grounds here, you would have, you know, thirty, forty that could could get there. But yeah. I know a lot of churches speaking about wintertime. A lot of these country churches, it really ain't got a. I guess a lot of uh, older ones or whatever. Sometimes they cancel because of weather or something like that so yeah that so i understand what you're talking about how in the winter months you know people are kind of not that you're slacking hopefully you're not slack on god but sometimes it uh it keeps you from getting out because when you come out from a day or whatever it's like man i don't want to get back out in that i just want to sit here in my 
warm uh, warm house or whatever and not really go out and fellowship as much so yeah yeah so we need to be active when we can that's for sure yeah i don't think i've ever remembered a time where we've canceled church on sunday morning uh the i don't think uh a couple years ago i guess when COVID was going on i don't think they ever canceled here but i do think it was like well we'll be here readjusted but and then brother jim i know preach on the radio but outside of covid that was just a one or two or three weekends that was very short and but i know uh, well to be honest with you i know at madrid we have we have so i mean i like said around here i don't ever remember but i think we we do it because there is enough people around here but also (laughs) is is the radio um yeah a lot of people listen to the live stream that's exactly right um you know but you you are right but i mean even i think it was last january we were having a man up here and then an ice storm hit, and we went ahead and had man up, and we still had <laughs> My goodness. 80 yeah. to 100 guys there. Yeah. And that was in the yeah. middle of an ice, not snow, it was ice. Like, it. it was ice out there. Yeah. And still had a How lot. How many guys? Probably 80 to 100 people there at night yeah. in the middle of an sure ice storm. Yeah. Um, and it was just the home. You, I mean, uh, of course, you ain't got you got hair to pull out, I don't, but you pull your hair out trying to think, well, what should I do? Should I not? Should I do this? Should I do this? Then it's almost like when you decide, all right, we're going to. Then at the end, at a few days later, you're like, man. Why did we do that? <laughs> it's kind of well. I mean, that night you look out in the parking lot and you thought we was gonna have a truck pull. Um, there was, I mean, there was just trucks everywhere. Yeah. Uh, but it was still, it was a great night. It was still powerful, powerful anointing, and um, just, a, just a great night in the presence of the Lord that evening. And so we're right around the corner though for Thanksgiving and Christmas and New Year's, and um, it, I, I love this time of the the year that's coming upon us. It's one of my favorite time of the years. Yep. Um, but during this time of the year, let me just say this. While we're on this, just because it's December doesn't mean you get to tune out from your local home church. That's right. Uh, it's it's shocking to me that even if you want to have the debate, was Jesus born on December 25th or not, which he wasn't. I'll just give you that. Um, and it, But Christmas has kind of transferred, transformed into what we know in America, like, Regardless of its root, regardless of where it's at, for the most part, a lot of people do it for the celebration of Jesus' birth, okay? So the church celebrates Jesus' birth. We sing songs about Jesus' birth, Jesus' life. And this whole season has been revolved around being thankful and celebrating Jesus' birth. And the one month that we surrendered all to him is the month that most people don't go to church. And it's just startling to me because statistically speaking your worst attended month of the year is july and december yeah those are your two worst attended months statistically across the board and it's like the season of giving is uh and the season of celebrating jesus's birth is the season that we kind of forget about jesus because we get so caught up in the commercialism and so caught up in the traditions and so caught up in the busyness and so caught up in the thousand christmas plays and the christmas this that we actually forget jesus in the yeah. midst of all that and so this year i implore you and um i'll even be biblical and say beseech you um that even though you know jesus is the reason so um we need to make sure that we keep him in the focus coming up in the next few months as that's right as busyness gets there and thanksgiving's around the corner and christmas is coming up and um, as fun it is and as good as it is to spend time with family and friends and to yeah. fellowship and to love, let's not lose focus during these two months. And it's yeah. always important to keep to keep focus in the midst of the busy schedules of um, November and December. And yeah. I've seen so many people 
I, I don't know how else to say it. I'm going to say this in love and, and honor because I do love you and honor you. And I've lived this life too. So I'm just speaking from experience. I've seen, I've seen a lot of people backslide during these two months um, just because they get so focused. And then January, February hits and go, man, what's wrong with me? Yeah. Well, you, you, you haven't even prayed in two months. Like, yeah. you know, you're sitting there celebrating right, Jesus' birth and you're so worried about how much you're going to spend on your kids or how much your gift's going to cost or this that you forget about Jesus in the midst of all that. And the season that we say it's for Jesus, we actually make it nothing about Jesus. That's right. And so this year I, I really do challenge you to keep focused, to keep your eyes pointing towards Christ, to keep your heart centered upon him. And that during this season, find as much as you possibly can to intertwine it around Christ. Amen. And uh, whether it be Thanksgiving, which is my favorite holiday, without a doubt, um, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. Um, there's great anticipation of turkey <laughs> and mac and cheese. Ham. She can have the ham. <laughs> uh, I like the... The yeah, mashed potato. It. I'm with you on ham, okay? I'm with you on <laughs> ham. I'll eat all the turkey and y'all can have all the ham. <laughs> well, turkey see, they, is healthier, though. Yeah. But, yeah. I mean, even through the year or whatever, most time if people, like my mother-in-law that cooks about every Sunday for us, mm -hmm. you know, she cooks a turkey at Thanksgiving. But, I mean, all throughout the year we have ham. And it's awesome, too. I mean, she puts glazing. Yeah, I'm with yeah. you on ham. Hey, if you gave me ham or turkey, I would probably pick the ham. So I'll pick turkey. Rachel just takes it in sweet potatoes. She wants to make sure you have sweet potatoes. Yeah, marshmallow. Yeah, well, yeah, All brown right. sugar. Yeah. You know. Um, and then, of course, for me, the staple of this season is probably the caramel pie. Even though I can eat caramel pie all year round. I can't say that I've even had a caramel pie. You've never had a caramel pie. Not that I know of. I'm gonna make you a caramel pie. You are oh, next man. next Tuesday. I'm marking it down right now. Next Tuesday morning, we're gonna have caramel pie. To, Whoa! I ain't even got to wait till Thanksgiving. No, though. man. No, I will make it. I will sacrifice, and I'll have Heather make it right now. <laughs> That's what I was about to say. Is Heather oh, making it? Heather, you ain't got to make that. I'm so sorry, Heather. You actually, said. actually, I've made caramel pie several times. Uh, hey, my wife thinks you're crazy. She said, no, pumpkin pie all the way. No. You know what? Tell her she's going to make these radical statements. She just needs to come in here and fill a seat. That's right. I was going to say, when you said something about caramel pie, I might think she said, uh, well, I may be there next week or whatever. I don't yeah. know. I got two extra seats. Oh, man. Uh, she's going to make these radical statements. She's going to have to be here to back them up. Yeah, all right. Um, and so, but no, it is it is a good season. So, yeah. um, hey, we was talking about, uh, and I'm sorry to say this, but it reminded me about when we was uh, just announcements and stuff. Brother Chris McGuffin. Mm -hmm. uh, but, of course, I know that he's posted a lot. I love it. Love that guy so much. But anyway, a pastor up around um, uh, Eastview there at New mm -hmm. Life Vision. Uh, but they are, he's actually this week in uh, revival in a revival. It's actually an old fashioned tent revival meeting. It's in Hartford, Kentucky though. Mm -hmm. But I mean, anybody that's listening, that's in that area. I know every night this week they have, uh, I think seven, six or seven people that's going to be a part of that each night. And, uh, so, I mean, uh, I just thought I'd give that out, but that's going to be going on. It says every night or until we feel as if the Lord's going to call it off or, release us to do something else so now you're ahead. saying there six to seven throughout the week huh 
you gonna say was that six or seven that yeah. that's speaking throughout the week? Throughout the week, each night there's a different. All right, because yeah. you said six or seven at per night. I said they are real serious about that. <laughs> but I mean, some of the names it says Brother B, Brother Chris McGuffin, Brother Kevin Loxton that uh, pastors a church right up the road, Brother Marvin Dotson, Brother Mike Baker, and Brother William Dotson. So mm-hmm. that's uh, I know a couple of those names, but the rest, on to be honest with you, I personally do not. Yeah, but uh, anyway, I do know two or three of them. That's it. Let's say if we're having six or seven speakers a night, then that feels <laughs> that feels like the church we'd have in Africa. Um, yeah, that's it. That's it. So there was some. There was morning. There was days that we would get to the church nine or ten in the morning. Yeah, and I mean we would preach all the way till six or seven at night. Wow, and we would stop for lunch. But besides that, we had church all day long. And man. Um, me and brother Ron and Marcel would just alternate throughout yeah. the day. And I'm just, honestly about each of us would preach or teach twice a day. Wow. And it was at the same church. Like it wasn't yeah. switching churches. These yeah, were the how same old people. was you when that, when that happened? Way too young. Way too young. It was scary. <laughs> um, yeah. uh, no, I wasn't too, way too young. It was, um, mid twenties or even before. No, that? I was, I was either 19 or 20. Okay. When I was in Africa. Yeah. It was a while ago. Yeah. Um, and, um, now there's a lot of our churches and stuff like that that we're connected with, yeah. That are you know wanting us to come back soon. So I'd say a trip to Africa is probably coming up again soon. Wow. Um, maybe as early as next year, later next year, or the year after. It's a little tricky with my schedule. So um, yeah. when in the kids really, the kids are the hard part. Right. Um, I mean, and I totally understand. But we have. Um, We've had a couple of churches we've connected with in Africa reach out and ask when we're coming back. So I'm trying to talk to them. And then if we do that, we'll probably just do a team that goes and we'll go to our, we'll probably go to Kenya, Uganda, fly over to Liberia for a couple of days and then fly up to India to um, Santosh and then back over. And then um, that's that trip's probably in the making pretty soon. And a lot of them have, asked us to come over and preach and teach some more and just come over and see all that all that um you know we're sewing into because we sew into a lot yeah, of churches and a lot right. of ministries on that on in those three places and then of course the orphanage with um in kenya with um brother shadrach Alus, like three to four hundred kids um there now and so there's just a lot that we're connected with that we haven't really been able to go to and see in person in a few years and so we're yeah we're i mean um i've been looking at that and um i love africa i told brother betty i mean brother tim and miss betty the night it was brother betty um brother tim and miss betty it's i'm trying to wake up this morning um i told them on the way home last night i said you know um I pro- I probably should go check on brother alonzo and miss deanna sometimes before they come home in six months um, I feel like it's important as a pastor, you know. Um, and so I, I may just have to fly down to Puerto Rico for a couple of days throughout wow. the week. Um, I didn't realize how close Puerto Rico was when you fly. Well. It's I, not really that far. Like I said, I, I don't know exactly how close it is, but I remember for whatever reason in school, when I was in school or whatever, that Puerto Rico was, when you talked about the United States or whatever, it was Puerto Rico was mentioned a lot. Mm-hmm. It was mentioned a lot. What's well, a territory? Um, it's you don't have to have your passport to go there or anything like that. So right. you just hop on a plane and fly down. Um, so you know, I said probably about mid January 
when we're sitting about negative six or seven degrees and Puerto Rico sitting about 70 to 80. You're going to sacrifice and go down there. Right? Um, I think it's probably an essential trip. Yeah. I feel like it's probably a very large, important ministry, there you go. ministerial trip there. But and, and for all those listening, we're just joking. All right. Um, but no, there is a possibility. Who knows what God's right. going to do? And, you know, we're looking to get some teams going. Um, I think. Because how long have they been down there now? Well, they just left. Time. They just left. They just left. But okay. they're going to be there six months yeah. pastoring this church down there. Yeah. And, um, of course, you know, um, all these are connected to Box 2 Radio. So, um, you know, Brother Todd Mingus will be going to Honduras here in just a month or so. Actually, about a month and a half, I guess, he's down there. And he's down there for two to three weeks doing his vacation Bible school. And um, I'm going to have to bring him on a Sunday, on a Monday. I mean, on a Monday, on a morning as a guest soon because – it started out as a you know like a small VBS, and now it's eleven churches, twelve, thirteen, fourteen and he's churches. Going to win. Um, he'll be mid December, okay. and he'll he, they'll they'll minister to over a thousand kids yeah. um, coming to these VBSs. Yeah. And then also, there's some really other cool things that are happening. He could tell this so much better, but God's opened some doors because the city this is based out of, like centralized out of the VBS where it started. Yeah is a smaller city and it's not a city that has a lot of money and uh what the todd's been this connector and he's brought this guy in that he was connected with that comes in and does like career training so now it's more than just vbs it's vbs still and they're very passionate about that right but now they're starting to equip these kids and teenagers with tools and resources to become career oriented yeah. and stuff they can do as a career and getting, um, you know, the whole city is changing. It's awesome. And that's the kingdom. Yeah. Uh, the kingdom is not having a church service. Yeah. That's religion. Come on. Kingdom is whenever the community starts to shift because of what's going on in the body of Christ. Now we're preaching. And so um, that's what we're seeing in Honduras. That's it. And I wanted so bad to go this year, but I couldn't go. Right. Um, and, <clears throat> but I will go eventually to see this with my own eyes. We sow into it and we help whatever we can do. And we, um, we honor Brother Todd and, and pray and cover him as he goes. And it's amazing things. He was, he actually, he was just down in Honduras a couple of weeks ago working on all this. And I'm going to have to bring him on because I want him to be able to say exactly what's happening because it yep. it's extraordinary. Like what God's doing in that little city and all the churches that are being birthed. And this year he's going to be able to go up into the jungles. So he'll go on a riverboat for three or four or five days, um, um, hours trip. And it's it's actually a pretty dangerous little trip because you're between the jungle and Nicaragua. And there's a lot of cartel. There's a lot of drug dealing right there between Nicaragua and all that. So you're going up the river it has the potential to be a dangerous trip and it's a long trip and, but he's going to get up into the jungles and be able to train a group of pastors. Um, and so he'll be able to, to help them and train them and, and equip them. And that was the part that I was trying to get to. Amen. Um, but I couldn't get to it this year. One of these years, um, one of these years or one of my, all my kids are 15, 16, 18, 19 and get yeah. out of the house, get your own place at this point. <laughs> um, and so, but we, all that to say, I didn't really mean to go into all that, that's all right. But it is important to know that the body of Christ is is not just – I think it's important to know your backyard, and I think it's more important to know what's going on overseas too. Yep. We're sent. And, um, and actually know people that's going there yourself. I mean, that, yeah. that makes it pretty special. Really yeah, does. and we're seeing it. Like we're seeing a lot of people released into the earth and a lot of people that's connected us here on the Box 2 Radio Network. 
And so, and as the as they go, the Box Two Radio Network goes with them. That's and it. that's one of the coolest things. Before we do our first trivia question, um, that that's one of the coolest things is I've seen pictures of people in Honduras with their Bibles open and listening to the morning broadcast, studying with us. Um, worldwide, we have people that listen to the Box Two Radio Network via the streaming. Yeah, uh, I know there's people that listen via. Um, the website in Africa. I know there's people that's listened via the website in India, and we're trying to, you know, so when when you sow, and this ain't Sherathon, I mean, you're saying like when you sow into things like Sherathon, when you sow into partner with us, this is what, you know, this is one of the things that's happening is we're, we're truly are reaching the world with the gospel and edifying the body, not just in Litchfield and Hardensburg and Central City and um, Highsville and Glasgow and Owensboro. We're, we're reaching the nations. Um, and a lot of that is because people are going to the nations, Amen. and so, and we're not we're not done by no means. And That's God's right. raising up more, um, and so I'm I'm excited for that. All right, Thursday, uh, Tuesday, question number one, sponsored by the Sicilian Bank. Who brought costly stones for the foundation of the temple in Jerusalem? Who brought costly stones for the foundation of the temple in Jerusalem? Two seven zero two five seven two six eight nine. We will be right back here after the break on Mornings of Box 2 Radio on the Box 2 Radio Network. All right, we are, uh, haven't had an answer yet for that trivia question. Tuesday question number one, sponsored by the Sicilian Bank. Who brought costly stones for the foundation of the temple in Jerusalem? Well, we had um, some good discussions and good Bible Q&A yesterday. And, of course, uh, Brother Jim Waters from BIPS Bluegrass Institute here in the state of Kentucky was on with us. Had a great discussion and interview there. Um, we're moving forth today. Uh, Brother Josh will have – we haven't we haven't got to the um, been a few weeks. Man, manna on Monday leftover for Tuesday um, in a couple of weeks. We're going to make sure we hit that today. And then if you all have any Bible questions that you want us to discuss or interact with, 270-230-6337 is my number to text. Or um, you can, if you got Josh's number and you need to text him, go for it. Um, I just got a text. You got a text? All right. We'll get to it later probably. Okay. So, all right. It's just a question. All right. And then um, probably, now this probably won't start until after the Saturday with um, the chili cook-off. So, but so we're probably going to be a couple of weeks away, give everybody time to kind of look into themselves. But for, a, for probably for um, six, seven weeks or so, we're going to meet on Thursday nights, I think it is. And um, we're going to start working through eschatology together. And it's not really I'm not teaching it. Nobody's the teacher. Um, yeah. But we're just going to look at Scripture like so often we always come with our preconceived ideas. Yeah. When you say and I'm sorry to do this to you, Aaron. I mean, I know what it is, but when you say eschatology, could you tell the people? Um, just the study of end times. Thank you. So um, we're going to look at the rapture. We're going to look at the yep. timelines. We're going to look at all these in a very thorough, slow-paced way. Yep. Like, And what we're trying to do is um, we'll just set some tables up in the youth sanctuary each Thursday night probably. And, yep. um, you know, anybody's welcome. Bring your Bible. Yep. Bring your Thethoris. Bring your Strongs. I don't know what you're going to bring. Just but it's going to be a slow-paced study. and so bring this Bible. Yeah, bring so that great. Bible. Because <laughs> uh, I'm a great pastor. Gave me this Bible. Uh, it's awesome. Man. Do you like it? I do. I do. Um, so. And and so, like, it's just going to be a time that there's no arguing. If you come in there argumentative and and things like that, then um, 
you know, I don't, I don't ever care to ask somebody to leave if they're yeah. if they're disrupting the unity in the body of Christ. Because right. here's the thing about eschatology: it's very open-handed. Yeah. And what I mean by that is, we're learning and we're growing, and um, you know, you don't have permission to say your way is the only way, and if you don't believe like me, you're just wrong and you're not saved. Yeah. When it comes to eschatology, now people have that permission, like on the virgin birth. You have to believe in the virgin birth. That's a close-handed issue. If you do not believe in the virgin birth of Christ, the whole gospel falls apart Yes, because he's not sinless. And you cannot have a sinful lamb of God that became this to take away the sin of the world. Yep. He had to be sinless, therefore he had to be born of a virgin. And so that's, to me, a close-handed issue. It's Jesus plus nothing that saves me. Right. Now, that salvation will produce evidence of that. And that's why James tells us that my faith without works is dead because there must be evidence and change after the salvation. Right. But it's not the evidence that saves me or keeps me changed. It's the evidence that shows that I was changed okay. and I was saved. So those things are, those things are close-handed issues. But yep. when you talk about the rapture, if Josh comes out tomorrow and says he's pre-trib, I come out tomorrow and say I'm post-trib and Hannah's mid-trib, that should never affect our fellowship with each other. I would love to be preacher, but I just don't see yeah. it. I'm sorry. But I'm I don't kidding. think it's biblical. I, mean, I don't go think. Ahead. I don't know. We'll get into it on Thursday. <laughs> but I don't think that preacher has, I think out of the three, it has the least um, support. Okay. But, I got you. Um, but just look at the word rapture. Um, that's, that is struggling to, you know, it's struggle with the text. Yeah. And I think this is one thing people don't know how to do anymore. Yeah. Is struggle with the text. Yeah. And if we can't understand it in thirty seconds, we just kinda go, Well, yeah. It's just past finding out. Yeah. No, it's it's kind of you know, maybe it's past your laziness, but it's not past finding out. Right. Like, and I would love I would love it if we just sit there and struggle with the one one scripture for two hours one night. Yeah. Well, I mean, you used to talk about past finding out. I think that a lot of times it's because we don't want to take the time to really study it. I mean, I'll be honest with you. Sometimes it's caught up in doing this, caught up doing that. I just love to read my word, and really, how much do I really study it out to really find it out? Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? There's a difference in just reading the word and studying it out and finding it out. Studying takes time. Mm -hmm. I'll be honest with you. I love preaching. I love preaching the word of God. I love, you know, getting into the word and preaching. But when you go to actually a Bible study or something, actually, to be honest with you, I think personally, in order to prepare for a Bible study and something that's going to create conversation, it takes a lot more time to do that than it does actually to prepare for maybe one of the sermons I got I got coming, you know, that I got in my heart or the Lord put in my heart. Because of why? Because actually when you open up conversation for everybody, you got to be prepared. All right, if they come at me this way, i got to say this. If they come at me that way, here's why I believe this. See, you can't, and that's why I think I struggle sometimes, brother, of why do I believe what I believe? Can I back it up with the word or is it just backing it up with what I think? Mm -hmm. And so that's what we're trying to do. Yeah. Um, and for me, I'm not going to treat eschatology any different than I'm treating other things right now. Like right. I'm coming in with a fresh look and I said this about a year or two ago and, um, uh, and I, I don't, tr I don't even try to hide this. Like my studying is nowhere used to what it used to be because time schedules and time crunches. Exactly. Um, I don't, I mean, I don't, it's nowhere near what it used to be to where we, like I could sit down before in a room for an hour and read 300, 400 pages pretty easy. Like it was just 
but now it's like my brain's so frazzled and going a thousand different ways. What you said, I mean, you saying that though, I I believe I could say this for you. And if I can't, you just correct me if I'm wrong. But I think even though Brother Aaron just said that, but his love for God has grown even more during this time, and it grows every day. Mm-hmm. You know, but just because you say, "Oh man, he ain't," too, well, I haven't either. You know what I'm saying? Because, like you said, you get busy. His, he's a pastor. He's got to allow time for this, allow time for that. He does have a family. He's got many children. He's got many children that have grown up. Does that mean he's backed off? No. His love for God has got even stronger mm-hmm. because every type of ministry inside of his life has become more real and more active, and the Lord prepared him during that time to getting to where he is now. And therefore, yeah. that's why he's been able to advance. You see, a lot of times when you say to people, well, I don't, you know, sometimes as in a pastor or as an assistant pastor, like, you know, people will be like, oh, so you don't take, you're probably in the word three and a half hours a day. You're probably, I'm like, no, no, I'm not. I'm sorry, but I'm not. I've just got to be yeah. truthful with you. Yeah. You know, I try my best to make sure that I pray every morning. You know, I, I when I move to where we are now by the church, I thought, Lord, if it works out for your glory, I want to be where I'm right there at the church where I can go over there and pray about every morning. I say about because I don't like saying every because every is every. Every's not 99%. Every's 100%. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? So I try every morning to go over there, pray for a little bit, even this morning a little bit, so I can mention things in prayer, mention the day, mention what's going on. Um, just uh, what I say to people when they ask me to pray. I want the Lord to remind me to pray for you. Mm-hmm. I hate to saying, hey, I'll pray for you. And then at the end of the day, you see them like, oh, I forgot to pray for them. Yeah. And my heart wasn't like that. But see, in the busyness of life sometimes, does that mean my love of God has gotten weaker? No, actually, if anything, it's gotten stronger through those times because he's prepared us for days like this. That even this morning, if something would have happened and I got a call, hey, I got to have you here. Hey, can you come with me here? Am I going to be thinking about meeting their need for the Lord, for his, for his glory? Or am I going to be thinking, well, i got to do this for my own? Mm-hmm. No, you're going to do it for the glory of God and go help somebody. Yeah, That's what we're doing. See, that's where it goes from just reading the word to living the word. That's awesome. Yep. So, yep. I, mean, I, I, didn't I, I know for sure that both of you are living the word. Well. Um, and we all have to get to that point where we're... We switch from just reading it to actually yeah. living it out. Well, I mean, you, and I mean, everybody, we are, we surround ourselves with people of like minds. We surround ourselves with people that will help us to advance. And, and I know you always give me and Brother Aaron credit, but I'm telling you, you yourself and younger ones that have come up, even my, sometimes my Sunday school class, even the little ones. I think, man, I just do whatever in here. The, but when they ask you a question, it's like, whoa. I didn't see that coming. Yeah, I got to be ready. <laughs> I got to be prepared, you know. So then you think, even the, even some of my nephews there said, "Hey," I said, "Why ain't you got a Bible?" And they're like, "Well, give me one. You got it." And so now they're opening up the Word. They're they can't wait to turn to it. They've even begun to read it out loud with me and stuff like that. And so it's just you know you got to be prepared. And I think that's why we have times in our life. Where Lord says, listen, I'm going to prepare you for this. Where the Bible, we often go to be instant in season, out of season. Well, whatever season it is, I'm ready. Whatever season it is, I'm prepared. You know, so that's what we need to do. And how do we do that? By studying. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, study to show yourself approved. And, that's right. You know, we're, um, <clears throat> and 
you know, it is a point, though, of, like, in you're in the Word a lot, but I, I think it always is significant, too, to find time where you're studying and you're looking into things, and so that's what we're going to try to do with this. Yep. This, And it's not just Revelation. You really do have to study a lot more in Revelation right. to understand eschatology. Yeah. You have to... You have to understand Daniel. You have to understand Ezekiel. You have to understand Isaiah. Not all of it, but there's certain points of it that's really essential. We believe to the end times, and of course, you get into Mount, um, the Mount Olivet discourse of Matthew 24, and then you get into a lot of the parables and a lot of the discussion continuing in Matthew 25, and then Luke has its own version, and so you have a lot of things considered there. And then, of course, you get into First and Second Thessalonians. And um, there's some other portions of the text in Corinthians that will discuss some things with end times and things concerning end times. And so all of these become essential. Now, people say, well, why are you even interested in doing that? Um, and and I say this, that the Scripture commands, and honestly, uh, Brother Lance preached a message on Sunday night about fear not and don't be worried about the signs of the times. And as always, lo and behold, I preach basically the same message Sunday morning, you know, fear not, uh, for he is with us for fear not. I used Isaiah 43. And so literally a lot of the things that brother Lance said Sunday night, I literally said Sunday morning. Yeah. Um, and sometimes almost word for word. And it's because we need it. Um, if the Lord did not want us to learn and use the word, he would have never gave us the word. Mm-hmm. That's right. He wouldn't have. Amen. And, um, I say this sometimes on the mornings is, you know, we're waiting on God to speak and God's waiting on us to read. Um, And so I think sometimes we just need to understand that the Bible and when he's talking about and I've used this and I'm sure you all heard this, too. Well, the Lord really don't want he don't want us enamored with knowledge and 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 stuff like that, because it's the foolish of the world that's going to confound the wise. Well, let me just give you some insight to that. Does, that does not mean that you have permission to be ignorant. That is saying there, the foolish is saying that I'm bankrupt and I need him. Yeah. We don't, the, the gospel and how good it is seems foolish to those who don't understand. Because the gospel is good news of Jesus Christ for a reason. And it's not the good news that you get a second chance. It's the good news that he has made you whole. Right. It's the good news that he has satisfied the wrath that's due unto you. It's the good news. And so what we see is foolish because we're we have lived in a life where, you know, that everything is earned. Everything, you know, we well now this generation is not understanding that. But the generation that came before, we worked our tails off to get what we need wanted. And and we we earned it. So we needed something, we rose up our, we wrote up our sleeve. So you get the good news that says this this gift is a free gift unto those who believe. And, um, you know, you start to understand the goodness of God in the gospel. It's very hard for a person to believe until they radically get changed and their eyes opened by the Holy Spirit. And so the foolishness there is really the it's like how good the gospel is and that I can't do this without him. And it's not it's never giving you permission to be ignorant. And somewhere along the roads, like, and and I, I say this again in love and without harshness, but we have preachers preaching on Sunday morning in every church that knows nothing about the word. Yeah. They knew they know five scriptures, and that's all they know, and and they just preach. And well, they're, they're given five scriptures. Yeah, and they just read off something that they don't know. Yeah, and and see, I don't. I want. 
I would love to prepare more. I would love to be more thorough. I want to, I'm going to like, I'm working every day on becoming more prepared and more thorough. But if I'm sitting up there preaching my own opinions and have nothing of the word of substance to back it up, two things I'm terrified of. What am I leading them to? And I'm going to give an account for that. Yes. I mean, I'm giving an account. So I'm not going to get up there and say, and the Lord say, well, what did you give them? Well, I gave them Dr. Phil, and I gave them Dave Ramsey, and I gave them this, and I, I gave them the salvation message every Sunday. Did you ever give them the word? Well, I told them they're going to hell, and they need to get saved. Yeah. Well, okay. Did you give them the word? Like, did you did you equip them? Did you empower them? Did you challenge them? Did you stretch them? Did you use the word? Did you give them truth? Well, not really. I don't know truth. And, and people say, we well, don't have to know those big words. You don't have to know all that. And I think if you're taking the the responsibility about being a Bible teacher and a preacher on a Sunday morning, you don't have permission and you don't have the the laziness to say, I, I'm not going to learn all that. Yep. Because it is your responsibility to know the truth you're teaching. Yep. I was once asked something here. They said, well, why don't this one preach on that one? Or why don't this one say anything about this one? I said, listen, because as a minister and as a pastor, as a man of God, if I don't really do something or know something, I don't have no business preaching it. Okay, if I don't if I don't do it or know it, I ain't got no right telling you how to do it and know it. Hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I, that's how I feel. Mm-hmm. You know, within the Word of God, the principles about uh, people say, well, if it's a uh, if it's a um, salvation issue, not going about salvation. We know salvation is firm, but I'm talking about other issues within the Word of God. If we should, well, I'll just say this one. If we should tithe, if we should do these things. We know, I know, because I was instituted as a kid, that I should do those things. That mm-hmm. is commanded in the Word of God, more or less. It's, it's commanded and told to do that in the Word of God. But the people say, well, why don't this one preach on? Well, if you don't do those things, it's hard for you to preach those things. Mm-hmm. And see, so that's why, it's, that's why I tell people a lot of times within the church, I say, listen, if you're not sharing to people about the, about your salvation, about how the Lord come to your heart, then I got a question, even if he did. Because if he did, you're going to share it to somebody. You're going to tell somebody, okay? And so I'm thankful for that. And while we was uh, talking there, Sister Gretchen gave in. It's First Peter 3, 15 days, and it says, But sanctify the Lord in your hearts, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. And I actually looked up that uh, that sanctified word there, and actually it means to make holy, then it says to be holy. Mm-hmm. So not only is sanctify, we to make holy, as you think, all right, to make holy. Thank you, Lord. As a pastor, I get to, you know, allow people to know this word so they make holy. Then he says, no, then also be holy. Mm-hmm. So in order for you to prepare people to be made holy, you yourself must what? Be holy. Yeah. All right. So. Can we break that down a little farther? We can. In we that can. First Timothy 3? I mean, First uh, Peter, Peter, Peter 3. So it's impossible to make the Lord any more holy. Like, we don't have that That's ability. Right. But Peter is saying here, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. And the word holy can get back to a word in the root word of, in the Hebrew, called Kadesh or Kadosh. Um, And that word in reality means there's none other. So what Peter's telling us to do here is make nothing in your heart like the Lord. 
you're separating him from every other thing. And as we as we learned yesterday from Rehoboam, he did not seek the Lord in his heart. And because he did not seek the Lord in his heart, he became very evil. And so what he, Peter is saying here, sanctify the Lord in your heart. Make him separate. Make him different in your own heart. Make your heart surrounding him. And when you, um, we use this saying a lot, you become what you behold. So whenever you sanctify the Lord God in your own heart or set him apart in your own heart, you've become set apart because now that is your resting place and that is your focus. That's it. And when you do that, now you'll always have be ready to give a defense to anyone who asks you the reason for the hope in you because now it's not that you're just intellectually ready. Now you're spiritually ready because you know the one in your heart. And so he is the hope of glory. He is the hope. He's, as Roman says, he's the king. He's the God of hope. And so as we put him in our heart and separate him, become like him and know him on a communion type level, when somebody comes up, says something about, oh, I know him. Let me tell you. Yeah. I'm ready to give a defense. I'm ready to give yes. a reason. He has given me peace when there seemed to be no peace. He's given me rest whenever I was restless. Yep. He's given me healing when I was sick. He's given me salvation when I was lost. He's given me strength when I was weak. Amen. Why? Because we've sanctified and set him apart in our own hearts. That's right. It's it's not really anything to do with his character because you cannot sanctify the Lord so much perfectly holy. Yep. It's what you're doing with the Lord in your own heart. And like we talked about yesterday, Rehoboam never did that. He's, he, yeah. he did not seek the Lord in his own heart. He did not separate the Lord in his heart. He, he got him confused, and as so many others did in the Old Testament, you're, you're not setting him apart from any other pagan god. You're mixing yeah. Baal in there with Yahweh. You're mixing mm-hmm. Molech with Yahweh. You're mixing all this. So you sanctified him none, and, um, or you set him apart none. Yeah. That was the exact word that came to me as we were talking about this, is mixing. Because yeah. the opposite of separating is mixing. Wow. That's good. Like man. even in science, you know, like there's separation or there's a mixture. That's good. And you can't, we can't mix him. Wow. That's awesome, Hannah. Wow. Man, that's awesome. But I mean, and I go back. And then he just said the word. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, yes, yes, Lord. <laughs> that's exactly right. But I mean, even verse 14 of that scripture, I mean, you know, as you read and as y'all was going on, it says two of the words you say, but and if. Okay, it says, but and if, all right, you suffer for righteousness sake, happy are ye and be not afraid of their terror, neither be troubled. So that means it says, but and if. So that means some of us may have to suffer for righteous sake more than others. But it still says either way, happy are ye, either way. So, I mean, a lot of people, when you go through certain things and it seems like, you know, I go back to when I, I know we got to get ready to go break. When you was in here with the ladies during Sheraton, Mariah, mm-hmm. Mariah just said something about for the longest time when I come in and Hannah was always happy. I was like, man, how in the world is that? But now she understands. Yeah. Okay. Happy are you even in every situation? Because I'm sure that even in the middle of you being happy every day, there is some situations like, man. That is troubling you. Oh, yeah. But even during the middle of trouble, there's a difference in being in the middle of trouble and being troubled. Mm-hmm. You're not allowing the trouble to really trouble you. Yeah. But you're allowing his righteousness for his namesake to make you happy. It says mm-hmm. but and if. So be ready for the but. Be ready for the if. And so either way, happy mm-hmm. are ye. For what? For why did we get to that point? Because we've done what? We sanctified the Lord in our hearts. 
-hmm. We made ready ourselves, and we allowed ourselves to be holy because he's holy. So. Amen. 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 Well, let's get our second trivia question. Actually, we haven't answered our first trivia question, so we need first one. Um, Tuesday question number one, sponsored by the Sicilian Bank. Who brought costly stones for the foundation of the temple in Jerusalem? Who brought costly stones for the foundation of the temple in Jerusalem? We'll be right back here after the break on Mornings with Box 2 Radio on the Box 2 Radio Network. All right, we are back here on this morning Moving into the last hour of the day, and um, just excited for all that God's got left for us this morning and all that God's done so far. Now, we had a question come in, and we're going to go ahead and just tackle this one. Um, this is a question. Got a question for you guys. Are you truly not? Oh, wait a second. Um, let me let me deal. Let me do the trivia question yeah. first. All right. Miss Gail got it right. Miss um, Gail. Yeah. Gail Harrington. Um, a.k.a. the most encouraging woman in the world. <laughs> it's right. Um, who brought costly stones for the foundation of the temple in Jerusalem? It was Solomon, First yeah. Kings 5.17. If we remember the story right, and if, correct me if I'm wrong, you all, if, you all, if I am wrong on this, David had a lot of the temple ready to go. David could not build the temple, though, because of the blood on his hands. Right. And mm-hmm. so Solomon came up, and Solomon chose wisdom over riches, but because he chose wisdom, he got the riches. And Solomon became far richer or far more rich, let me get my grammar right, than David ever was. And I think and Solomon was the one, even though David had a lot of the material ready to build the t- temple, um, some of these fine-tuning things like the stones and foundation of the temple, um, costly stones, who brought them, who brought costly stones for the foundation. Like Solomon did a lot of this. Solomon was the one who built the temple. David had some of the material ready and the plans and the heartbeat behind it, but so- David was never released to build the temple because there was too much blood in his hands. And so Solomon raised up and Solomon built the temple. That's why it's called Solomon's Temple mm-hmm. in the first one. And then, of course, that temple was destroyed by the Philistines, and they rose up and created another temple, and that temple was destroyed in AD 70 by Nero, and there will be a third temple that's res- um, res- that in- that's um, built in, I would say, my guess is the next in the next, within the next two to three years, maybe sooner than that, we'll start to see a temple being built, the third temple. And I believe at that point, animal sacrifices will be reinstituted. And I believe the temple will be fully functioning, but I believe the temple will be absent of the glory of God. Because prior, whenever the temple was built and consecrated by the red heifer, and the blood of the red heifer, the Shekinah glory fell into the place, and they were not able to minister, they were not able to stand, they were not able to sing, they were not able to do their duties. And literally, they were under the glory of God during the consecration of the temples. The glory of God resided in the temple. When Jesus died, the veil was rent. And I believe the glory that was within the Holy of Holies is now not resting in the temple made by the hands of man, but it's resting in the temple of you and I, according to Corinthians, tells us it's the temple of the Holy Spirit. We have become the carriers of the glory of God. So there will not be glory in the temple. It will be a facade. It will be a powerless system. It will be a form of godliness, but have no power. It will only be... It, it's nothing, it, w- it would be religion is true since there, there is no substance. Um, I have a quick question about, so is the red heifer significant in history? Like that that was a key thing. Yeah, you had to have the red heifer always. Because when you consecrate the temple, when they would open it, the, like one of the final steps before they would do it, they would consecrate the temple with the blood of the red heifer. Okay. 
And so... I've had a lot of questions about that, but I've never studied into yeah, the, the, the red, red heifer. The red heifer was significant in the consecration and the opening of the temple. Mm-hmm. And they would use the blood um, to consecrate the temple itself and the sacrifice of the red heifer. Um, and so, Do you know why it's the red heifer? Or have you like studied into it? Uh, I would like to look into it. Well, I mean, it wasn't it was just a red heifer. It was a perfected red heifer. Yeah. Now, the significance behind the red heifer, um, I'm sure somebody far smarter than I, which <laughs> isn't really hard to do, can give you the insight behind that. I, as far as I know, I don't know if there was significance. Like when they slaughtered a turtle dove, I'm not for sure how much there was significance behind the turtle dove. Um which rep, but you know, if you it was th- just it was just the, it was chosen by the Lord principle of atonement. Yes, and it had to be like the perfect. Yeah. Now there might be some kind of spiritual significance that Perry Stone or somebody can give <laughs> me. I don't know. Um, I'm not that smart, but I do me know that I do know that there were they're basically like it wasn't that they just didn't have a white hair or anything. Like it was what the red heifer ate. It was how they was raised. It was mm-hmm. the environment. Like, everything had to be perfect about this red heifer. Makes sense. And nowadays, like, there's red heifers that are being bred all throughout the earth, and they'll be sent to Israel. Uh, for example, I think there was some sent from Texas not too long ago, and they think maybe one of them. They have a slew of red heifers they're waiting on that could potentially still be the red heifer. And they say that, you know, you have to have the peace treaty because the temple is going to be built on the Temple of the Mount and the Arabs own that right now. So you're going to have to have a peace treaty for the Arabs to give you permission to build the temple, of course. But yet they can't even really go after that until they get the red heifer because the Jews won't reinstitute and rebuild and reopen the temple until that red heifer. So there's still some things to play. That's why I think we still have a couple of years left before the temple is going to be built. But from reports, we do have that it is basically prefabbed, sitting in a warehouse waiting to put together like a Lego machine and that they can get it up and going pretty quick. Because I think that the the sacrificial system had to be fully reinstituted for the Antichrist to come, get on the temple, yeah. um, get into the temple, stand on the altar, desecrate the altar, and then proclaim himself to be God. And so, because it, it, it wouldn't have the same, if there's just a third temple empty of sacrifices, the desecration wouldn't have as much influence mm-hmm. and, yeah. and 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 really blasphemous remarks. So um, we've talked a lot about this lately. So I, I didn't want to like um, you know get too far into that. But right. um, and then we're going to answer that one question. There's a quick question I'll answer before we get into that one. Was the blood on David's hands because he was a warrior or because he had Uriah killed? I think it was more he was a warrior in in war because Uriah the consequences of that was already paid. Um, he lost his son, remember? Yep. And so that was that was the result of the sin for with Uriah. And I don't think Uriah having him murdered was the reason that his hands had too much blood on him. I think it was just he was a man of war, whereas Solomon was not a man of war particularly. Yep. Um, David was a man of war. And David never really ceased to be a man of war. Like, I don't think we re- – like, David was a man after God's own heart. He knew how to repent. He knew how to, to turn – the significant thing between him and Saul, per se, when Saul fell and he went before the prophet, he told the prophet, make me look right in front of the people. When David went before the prophet, when he sinned, he said, make me right before God. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the heartbeat and the differences between a Saul and a David. But, I mean, David was still a hard cat. Like, I mean, he still, the differences in that what we perceive this and that, I mean, how many concubines, how many wives he had. Um, David basically let left a hit list. These are the people I'm going to need you to kill after I'm gone. Like, you know, David, 
David had his strong points, but David surely had his weak points too. Yeah. And then Solomon started out really strong, and he chose the wisdom over the riches. Solomon's problem became the same problem that Samson had. He liked women way too much. And so... Um, and, and David. And David had that problem too. Um, I think David, though, I think David, David's main reason wasn't women, though. Like, he had his Bathsheba moment. I think David's was more war and, and that. But I think... David was a struggle for power a lot at the end. And it wasn't even that he was hungry for power. I don't think it was just his sons. And um, what we see a lot in, and y'all can tell me if you agree with this assessment or not, what we see a lot in the Old Testament with kings and deliverers and judges and all this is that they do strong things, but they don't raise up great sons. And these sons usually come back to haunt them. And with David, you saw that because his sons were, well, mm-hmm. some of them, <laughs> some of them were pretty rough. Yeah, yeah. Uh, right. And so, and I think he spent most of his life towards the end, almost just fighting his own sons, and trying to deal with the power struggle of his sons. And then Solomon gets up in there and chooses the wisdom over the riches, but then gets caught up with women and pagan women. At that, it wasn't just women; it was the pagan women, yeah. and they started to institute all these foreign gods. And and so Solomon's heart was turned towards the end there. Right. And uh, but. You know, I think David's though originally the blood was from war, not Uriah. Okay. I think Uriah's blood. It was already. It was. I mean, when he lost the baby, that was the result of that. The consequence, yeah. But I wow. think him being such a man of war. I got you. That's just my opinion. No, that could I, be wrong. I mean, that's a great one, brother. It really is, and I, I agree. understand. <laughs> you see, and I'm thankful that with what you've gathered, with your thoughts, and also the word that you gave instances in scripture and why you believe what you believe it ain't just me saying hey i believe this in a conversation mm-hmm. no going to detail of why for real that's very important i think mm-hmm. yeah. when people ask questions for us to be detailed on why we believe that then you give them something to think about yeah, so. mm-hmm. yeah. um that's well i just want to be um we want to be scriptural that's yeah. our biggest point right and so and, of course, Brother Ron's got a book on the Book of David where um, I think there's a lot of times me and Brother Ron saw things a lot, quite a bit the same on the book on David and David's life. I mean, um, you know, David is David's David's an important character. Yes. He's, you know, he's very important in the, the scheme of things. Out of the root of David, out of the stem of Jesse, came Jesus. Um and of David's throne of David, there will be no end because Jesus will reign forevermore and he descended from the, the throne of David. So, like, we understand all of these concepts, but we also, you know, to cover where David was yeah, and even what he was doing when, his, when he was dying, really, and how he died and the disease and all this. So yeah. um, Brother brother Ron does have that book, A Book of David, and he covers every verse relating to yeah. David in Scripture, and it's a very it's a very good book. So if you're interested right. in that book, you can call the station um, – and I forgot. And I mean, there's important. Uh, my uh, brother Billy, he's preached a message before about the time, about in the New Testament where it said, talked about David fulfilling all my law. Mm-hmm. So I mean, that's very key right there too. Yep. And brother Ron hits that in his book as yep. well. So. Yep. All right. So let's go to this next question. Got a question for you guys. Are you truly not born again if you don't have the Holy Ghost? Well, <laughs> there's a lot to unpack here. You ain't kidding. All right. Um, and I, I would think here the question is, 
are you truly not born again if you don't have the baptism of the Holy Ghost? Would that be the be a better? I, I believe so. Okay, I believe so because I think that a lot of people, you know, I was discussing with you a little bit during break that me being in a Pentecostal church, mm-hmm. I think that too many people try to separate Holy Ghost and what's Brother Ernie always get on to you about him? Holy Ghost and Holy Spirit the same thing. Uh-huh. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, I don't, I, we know, or I believe they're the same thing, and I pretty much can show you where they're the same thing. The Spirit of God, talking about the Holy Ghost in you. But, I mean, I want to say one scripture before you get uh, into what you were saying, Brother Aaron. But it says, uh, John six forty four. this is even before the Holy Ghost was given in Acts, okay? 6.44 says, No man can come to me except the Father which has sent me draw him and i will raise him up at the last day and then go to verse 65 it says and he said therefore said i unto you that no man can come unto me except it were given unto him of my father given given what the spirit but go ahead brother Mm -hmm. all right so i think it's important to start out what happens in the garden um And we may have a guest today or not. I'm not going to throw their name out there because I don't want to make them feel bad if we can't get connected or anybody feel like they failed. Um, But um, in the garden, whenever they sinned, communion was broken, right? Um, The glory of God. And see, I even pushed some limits on the garden because, you know, when they sinned, they realized their nakedness. I don't think it was that they wore clothes and they didn't wear clothes or the first time they had, I think for the first time they probably did have a lustful thought or something like that, thinking in a different way. But I really think the reason they observed their nakedness in the garden was they were absent of the glory of God for the first time ever. Because I believe in the garden, just as Moses radiated with the glory of God when he came down from spending time with the Lord on the mountain, I think Adam and Eve probably radiated with the glory of God permanently in the garden. Um, I think that there was a radiance about them. I think there was a th- covering on them. When they sinned, they lost their covering. And and Aaron, prove it. I'm going to try to. Just hang in here. I think the reason we can see they start to lose their covering, it's more than just perceiving nakedness. It's that they're actually exposed for the first time as they try to start covering themselves. And what they did is they took fig leaves. Fig leaves is always represented a religion. So the very first thing that they did trying to cover their sin was create religion. And so now we're going to create a covering for ourselves because they lost the covering of the Lord from the glory of God in the garden because they sinned and broke relationship and they have spiritually died at that point. Now they're looking for something to reinstitute recovering. So the way we're going to reinstitute the covering is try to create a covering ourselves, and we make fig leaves. And that's what religion tries to do. Instead of covering ourselves with the glory of God, we try to cover ourselves with the glory of man's system. And we think man's system will atone for our absence of God's glory. And so we see this all the way back in the garden that when we sinned, it was much more than just going to hell. We lost the glory of God. And so now the glory of God resided in a box, didn't reside in anything because the glory of God was walking with Adam and Eve in the cool of the day. And so when they sinned, there was actually a cutting off from the Garden of Eden. The Garden of Eden never ceased to exist. It still exists. We just can't access it because of the the cherubim. They placed cherubim in front of the entrance. Now, in that, I think the Garden, like, I think there's a spiritual Garden of Eden. Now, some people say Aaron's way off on this. I think that there was a thing that Adam and Eve could not access the garden no more. It did not say that God destroyed the garden. It said that he cut off the garden. He preserved the garden because why? If they ate of the tree of life in their internal state of damnation, they will always stay damned. 
They will never. And that's not cussing. That's saying condemnation. That's saying the result of their sin. So he, he cut off the garden so they wouldn't be internally condemned. And, and so now we have a problem, though. Our hearts are wicked and our spirits are bad. So Ezekiel 36 gets in there. And Ezekiel says, I'm going to give you a new heart, a heart of flesh, and take away your heart of stone. And he says, I'm giving you a new heart, and I'm giving you a new spirit. And so now we start to discuss this thing of the gospel, the good news. What is Jesus really accomplishing in us? It's not a second chance to do life right. It's he's created you to be a new creature. Um, I taught this Sunday morning in Isaiah 41, I mean 43, verse 1. It says, Jacob, I created Esau. Israel I formed. So you were created in the image of God as a human, but he formed you into a new image. And he's formed you. And if you get into Romans chapter 8, he's saying the Holy Spirit's there to conform you into the image of into the image of the Son. So I believe that we kind of say in there, in order for you to be formed in the image of God, you can't do it without his spirit in you. Yes. And because this spirit has to change. So I believe at the point of regeneration, or we know the word to be born again, at that point, Nicodemus says this when he's asked, I know you're a messenger. I know you're a man of God. I know you're a rabbi, a teacher of God, because no one can do these works unless they're sent from God. And so Jesus says, you know, and he's talking about being born again. He's talking to him. He said, how can a man be born again unless he goes back into the mother's womb? He said, no, it's that, and you can't enter the kingdom unless you're born of spirit and of water. If you go back to Ezekiel, that water is a cleansing. So he has cleansed you and he has baptized you into a whole new system, into a new spirit. He's given you a new spirit. And that spirit is the Holy Spirit. And if you don't have the Holy Spirit living in you, you cannot be born again. And and it's really the spirit of God in you that makes you new and fresh. Yep. And and redeems you and bought you. Ephesian goes as far as saying it's the it's the seal. It's the seal of redemption. It's the seal of protection until the day of redemption. Um, Peter First Peter one talks about it's the inheritance undefiled, reserved, kept in heaven for you under the power of God. It's the spirit of God that marks me. It's the spirit of God that regenerates me. I cannot come into the Father unless the Spirit draws me. Well, how can the Spirit draw me if He's not with me? And He's coming, He's redeemed me, He's made me new. And just as Christ was created by the Holy Spirit, now we're created afresh. He's formed Israel. He created Jacob, but He formed Israel. Yeah. And so when Jacob became Israel, there was a transformation and there was a whole renewal. I was taught growing up that you got born again, which became your second chance. Uh-huh. And then once you walked in sanctification long enough, you earned the Holy Spirit. And when you earned the Holy Spirit, then you got the tongues. And when you got the tongues, you've made it. Yeah. But if you look at Scripture, Scripture has much different things to say about it. So if you get into if you get into Corinthians, all right. I mean, I'm sorry, Acts, and he says Acts one eight. You are not empowered with the Holy Spirit so you can speak in tongues. You are empowered with the Holy Spirit so you are endued with power to become witnesses unto all the earth. Right. And what are you when you are witnesses? You go back to Mark 16. These signs shall follow them that believe. Well, that's saying because I have the Holy Spirit, these signs are following me. The gifts are not there to prove your relationship. The gifts are there to, br- to build your relationship and improve your relationship. The fruit are there to prove it. So right. you can speak in tongues to the cow come home, but that doesn't mean you're born again. Right. And people say, Aaron, hold on, hold on. <laughs> Go back to Matthew 7. There's a group of people proclaiming to be Christians that's doing gifts. 
and operating in prophecy and calling him Lord, but he never knew them. Yeah. And I believe there are people with gifts that necessarily aren't born again. I, I agree with that. Because, I mean, there will be, there's a work that, I mean, a lot of people has the uh, gift of uh, preaching or the gift of this. But I'm thinking about it is, at the end of the day, it may help people to get to where they are. But, I mean, it's not really helping them because yeah. they're doing it out of their own glory. They're yeah. not doing it out of God's glory. No. But if the gifts are, that they're <coughs> if they're not born again and the <clears throat> gifts that they're operating in are tongues or prophecy or healing or something like that, then where's their power coming from? Well, if you don't if you don't know the real, you're not really going to know the fake either. Mm-hmm. I mean, so see, their powers come from within themselves, I believe, and because of how they are proclaiming it and how they're saying it, I don't necessarily think it's power, Hannah. I think it's just us believing, hey, well, that's powerful right there, because we get caught up in emotion a little bit too yeah. much. And I don't even think it's always tongues of devils. I think I think that there has been tongues that's not godly that I've heard, yeah. but I think there's a lot of people, especially, and um, and I'm gonna say this in love. I think there's a lot of people that don't really have the gift of tongues. They've just listened to other people talk and pray. I hear you. And I think they're they're learned tongues, and I think that's very dangerous. And then, of course, you get back to the charismatic movement. They were speaking, they were teaching people to speak in tongues. Yeah. Spell Coca Cola five times real fast. Or you tie my tie, tie your tie, and then you say that five times real fast, and you start to get tongue tied, and we call that spiritual tongues. Well, I think we have to understand that there's a lot of different tongues in the Bible, and not every tongue we're talking to and about is a prayer language. So if you yeah. go back to Acts chapter 2, the significant thing about the tongues of fire being dancing upon their head there is a tongue that brought everybody into unity. I don't even think Acts chapter 2 is a spiritual prayer language. I think it's a supernatural unifying tongue that brought all nations under one ability to understand what Peter's saying when he preached. Yeah. And so then if you go into parts of Ephesians, though, now, you, I mean, I'm sorry, into Acts when they're, they're at Ephesus. Now these people are not even speaking in tongues when they receive the Holy Ghost. What do they do? They prophesy. Yeah. So it right there it's telling me tongues is not the only evidence of being baptized in the Holy Ghost. And the baptism of the Holy Ghost was never there so you can speak in tongues. The baptism of the Holy Ghost is so you can be empowered to become witnesses. And so, and I say all that to say this, you don't have to speak in tongues to be born again. You don't have to. You don't have to be baptized in the Holy Ghost to be born again the way we perceive it. Yeah. Because you've got the Holy Ghost at, bapti- at at regeneration. At the initiation, you are filled with the Holy Ghost. Now, if you look into the Greek and you start to understand that, you know, I, I implore you not to be drunk with wine but be filled with the Holy Ghost, it's a Greek participle. They're saying every day we're to be filled. I believe every day we're to be filled with the Holy Ghost. Every day we're to be empowered with the Holy Ghost. Every day we're to wake up and say, empower me afresh. And two things that we did in the Pentecostal church that, that I struggle with, and I still, I don't, I don't claim anything at this point. I just want to be biblical. So I'm, I'm not Pentecostal no more. I'm not denominational. I just want to be Bible. That's okay. all I'm concerned about being. Yeah. I just want to be Bible. Right. But two things we did. We made the baptism of the Holy Ghost a one-time affair. And even though I do think there's an initial empowerment, that initial thing, I think we're continuously being filled. I think I have to be filled. And then the Greek is telling me I continually have to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Well, in order for us to overflow, you got to continue to be filled. Yes. Something that it's not overflowing all the time, there's a stop in it. Yep. Well, if we're going to be overflow, we got to continue to be filled. Yep. And then the second thing is I think we were were completely – 
enamored on a few verses and refuse to deal with some other verses. So in First First Corinthians, when Paul starts to talk about spiritual gifts, and he starts to talk about not all men are going to speak with tongues, we can never deal with that verse. And and so I think to deal with that that verse appropriately, we have to understand what Paul was even saying there. He was actually telling us tongues is great, but honestly, prophecy is probably better. Yeah, and that hurts. That hurts whenever you you made such a centerpiece about tongues. Because a lot of times when you're speaking in tongues, you're speaking to the Lord. You're Lord. edifying yourself. You're edifying, yeah, but when you're prophesying, you're trying to build each everybody. Yes. Up. And Paul said, "I would rather you pray, you prophesy with what four or five words, yeah. than ten thousand tongues." But can I say I believe I can say this, or this is what I believe, <laughs> brother? I mean, without even the Holy Ghost living inside of you and dwelling in you, I can't even prophesy. Yeah, yeah, and. I think what we've done, though, is we made the baptism of the Holy Ghost saying you don't have the Holy Ghost until then. And I don't think you can prove that scripturally because I think you have the Holy Ghost when you're born again. I think what we know is the baptism of the Holy Ghost is is almost, it's not so much an infilling as it is an explosion out. It's the empowerment for the work of the ministry. Yeah. It's the anointing. It's the setting apart. It's the... The yeah, dunamos, the, the power. Holy Ghost in uh, Acts 2.38 and also a Holy Ghost in uh, Romans 14.17. I looked it up here, and actually when it says Holy Ghost, one of the things is breath of God. Mm-hmm. All right? In our strongs. So we understand that. Have you felt as if uh, the listeners or whatever that asked this question, do you feel as if the breath of God has been poured out upon you? Have you repented of your sins? And if you do, I believe it's inside of you. But, I mean, you say, well, why hasn't it come out? But I believe we are looking for, some of us or some people look for the outward emotions about speaking in tongues or speaking in this. Well, actually, I would rather show you love and show you mercy and show you kindness, show you the things that relate to the kingdom of God. It's not meat and drink, but righteousness, peace, and joy in what? In the Holy Ghost. And what I do. By having the Holy Ghost, I'm able to, you know, express righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Yeah, even in the mix, uh, everything. So. There's yeah. a lot of people that pra- that have the gift of tongues and the and prophesy, but they're not operating in the gifts or the fruits of the spirit. That's it. Yep. Because I mean, they'd rather do that than express the fruit. Than be long suffering, yep. than have self control, yep. than ha- you know be kind and choose not to have an attitude with one another. Yep. But we must desire. We must desire all gifts mm-hmm. we must desire all gifts and i think that does that mean we're going to get them all no but i think according to scripture and my wife helped me out there i think it tells us for us desire those gifts yep we're desire the gifts because the gifts build the church that's right the gifts do not determine our discipleship though like that's the hard part it's a, the way we are told our disciples we're disciples is by our fruit that's right and i'm just going to fruit yeah. It's not just fruits, it's fruit. Yeah, it's fruit. Um, like uh, John 15, 8. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. Disciple. And uh, how will they know you're my disciples? By their love, and love is a fruit. And so it's the fruit. And, and I think the most dangerous thing that we do is we look at people with the most gifts and call them the deepest Christian. Okay. And and that's just not correct. Yep. Um, Cause because, I, 
I think I can say this even in a church, even though me being the leadership that I am at Badgered, I still, if you say, all right, show me the people in your church that is real deep or deeper than you are. And I could point to a few people even out in the congregation that really you don't hear a lot from. But I think according to, if you think in my mind, I think, man, to be honest with you, they may be deeper and stronger than I am mm -hmm. because of what they're doing for the Lord. Yeah. Even though it didn't, they're being quieter, didn't, but you can see with inside of them something that is, you know, empowered them in a way that it seems like I can look at that can um, can point me in the right direction or can, you know, sharpen me to be stronger, sharpen me to be better or with my words here, more with my words there. So I mean, it's because of people that are there that are, doing yeah, that, so. and and I've seen it growing up where you would see people speaking in tongues and shouting and interpreting tongues then leave after the service and like you know cuss out their waitress yeah and and i think that we i think it's just a dangerous game to play when we make the most gifted people become leaders always and honestly here's here's a if you look at if you look at titus and timothy and what is the criteria for an elder or a deacon they are apt to teach. They are apt to preach. But a lot of those are character traits. It's not gifting traits. It's character traits. And character is done by fruit. Um, one listener said we needed a we needed a um, distinction between um, the different kinds of tongues, though. Prayer language is different than other tongues that need to be interpreted. Um, I, I've done a lot of work around tongues lately, and... Uh, you know, I've I've taught, I haven't taught, I taught when I first got back here some on tongues, but I think tongues is probably one of the most abused gift and misunderstood gift, but it's also much, I know it sounds really funny, it's one of the most abused and misused, but it's most used. <laughs> I don't know how else to say it. Uh, the, a lot of the church wants to use tongues, but we don't know how to use tongues. We just throw it out there any way we can and do whatever we want with it. But, you know, Paul laid out some tongues some some guardrails for tongues and um like one thing you'll never see me do with the spiritual gift of tongues unless there's an interpretation is you'll probably never hear me pray in tongues behind a microphone and i will never ask the church to pray in tongues um because i feel like corinthians gives us instruction and guardrails in a different way um whenever i go pray with somebody in the altar i hardly ever pray in tongues over somebody yeah. now i might turn my face away and pray in the spirit while I feel like I'm getting revelation and fear, trying to pray what the Lord wants to pray. But for me, I find it extremely unprofitable and edif unedifying. If if you're up there and you're you're wanting to get born again or you're seeking the Lord for an answer, and I come up to you and pray with you for 13 minutes and all I do is pray in tongues. If the Lord gives interpretation, that's one thing. But if I just pray in tongues for you for 13 minutes, did I edify you at all? Come on. I mean, I'm just trying to, like, now if I come up here, and I think this is what Paul starts to deal with, I can pray 13 minutes in tongues and edify you nothing, or I can take 30 seconds and give you one prophetic phrase and let the Lord unravel the mysteries of your heart and give you insight and give you the words of wisdom and the words of knowledge. And and what we've done, though, is we just made the tongues a pinnacle of it. And honestly, um, the tongues are the... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get myself into trouble, but I feel like I'm probably already there with some people, so I might as well. Tongues is the easiest, safest thing to do in the spiritual gifts. 
if you think about it, when it when it's relating to, to prayer and to proclamation. Tongues is safe and tongue is easy. Why do I say that? Well, I can come up and pray in tongues around Hannah. Hannah don't know what I'm saying. But if I prophesy, I can miss it. If I'm going to come up and give her words of wisdom, I can't do that within myself. I'm gonna. I may be able to give her a cliche word she's heard a couple other hundred times, but you know, if the Lord's gonna unravel mysteries of the heart, that's a much uncom. That's a much more uncomfortable gift to operate in, because I've had to go up to people and say stuff that I did not want to. Yeah, there's never been a time really like, oh my gosh, what if I pray in tongues and pray wrong? Well, they don't know. It's my prayer language. It's an edification for me. But if I'm going to go up to Hannah and give her a word of wisdom that no one, or a word of knowledge that no one else knows, yeah, that's uncomfortable. Yeah, and but I think that a lot of times uh, that uh, when people ask the question, you know, about these things, and all you do is ask the Lord into your heart, <laughs> you think, oh, "Okay, I'm good." But if you never seek to become stronger in Him after thirty, forty years then whether you got tongues or not or whether you feel like you've been baptized in the Holy Ghost or not or things like that, then I just got to question your salvation anyway. I know as a Pentecostal, assistant pastor of a Pentecostal, you know, there's a few things that we as Pentecostals that we get tabbed for this or that. And, I mean, I understand that, you know, a lot of us, you know, um, the Acts 2.38, repent, be baptized, every one of you. Listen, you say, does those two things? No, it ain't a three-step program. Jesus, Jesus's blood is what covers Jesus my sins. plus nothing, Amen. plus nothing. But I will say this: you can correct me because this is. But if you've been living for the Lord thirty-five, forty years, and all you can tell me is about how thirty-five, forty years ago Jesus forget you're right, He did. But what have you done since? Have you grown since? Have you allowed the fruit of the Spirit to dwell in you? Have you allowed Him to work in you? Have you even grown since you believed? then that's when I got a question if he drawed you in the first place. Because I believe that, hey, we should grow, be growing in him. Oh, 100%. Amen. Um, I think it's, it's a, it is a have-to consequence of right. salvation. There's no other way around it. You will, you will change if you've been born again. And if you seek him, these gifts that we're talking about here, yeah. whether it be tongue, prophecy, or all these things, all right? These gifts here will follow those that what that believe. Yeah. So <clears throat> I mean, so I believe. Hey, they will follow us. Yeah. Um, there's one listener said tongues are the only self edifying gift. The rest are are for others. I think there's aspects of tongues that are self edifying, but then I think there is the tongue and interpretation for the body that would be building the body. So there is. I believe myself that like you know the tongue that is used openly in a service for the most part should be the one with an interpretation. Now, do I get bent out of shape anytime somebody prays in tongues and thinks they're wrong? No, not necessarily. I have a conviction of myself just from scripture that I don't do it often. Um, and so there has been a couple times I prayed behind a microphone in tongues and it was unintentional. Like I was just in the spirit, felt the fire of God. And I just, I don't know if it was, I mean, I know that you, but I mean, it's you saying unintended, but I think it's just the Lord working through you it, to have that to happen. It could have been. Um, but then sometimes I'm preaching and I'll kind of start to, you know, the anointing starts to take over and I start to pray or something like that. And I know this sound, this is just my conviction from scripture. No, so I'm not putting this anybody else. So you, you figure right. out scripture for yourself. 
and I'll put my hand over the microphone and move my headpiece out of the way. And there's been times I've ripped my headpiece off because I go to a place of prayer. And and I just I feel like that's my place. And and it would be unedifying for the body for me just to sit there and pray in tongues when you don't know anything I'm praying for. And because at that point, I think that is edifying myself in the Lord. Um, but I do believe that however you're praying in the spirit, whether it's in tongues or the groanings or whatever it is, um, it is edifying the body. It, yeah. When you're in prayer for the body. Now, if you're in prayer just to communicate with the Lord, um, that's a different thing. But. Uh, yeah. Um, all right. Hold on a second. got to add one in here. Uh, Brother Trent, you on with us? I am. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm good. I've called several numbers trying to get through. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I think one of the problems we have is uh, spiritual immaturity. Um, we we just don't have mature enough people that can rest in the Lord, and if somebody's praying in the Spirit, not get upset about it. I mean, we, we have such spiritual immaturity in the churches and, and among people that we're looking for a problem. We're looking for something all the time that ain't right. Instead of this honoring God and serving God and, and moving in the spirit itself. We, we, we got, we get too nitpicky. <laughs> and, uh, I, I'm one that don't, uh, you know, I don't run around the church and pray in the spirit and say, look at me, what I'm doing. No, I'm not talking about that. But to people that have to be at such, such a attention, stressful attention that I can't allow the spirit in me to ex to exit in prayer because of somebody around me is going to going to point out a scripture and say, "Well, you can't do that in here." Uh, there's somebody over here that may not be a believer. We need we need to relax. <laughs> we need to relax and let the spirit of God uh, move. And I believe I believe the people that if it's in the right spirit and the church is in the right frame of mind and attitude, the unbeliever will be convinced that of that being the reality of of Christian life and Christian service and honoring God and uh it won't be such a policed it, it seems like we're getting too policey about it to me. Well I think that there's guardrails that we put up so we don't fall off cliffs. And well, certainly there's guardrails, but when we when we're in there all the time trying to establish a guardrail instead of just flowing in the spirit, that's going to hinder the spirit, no doubt. Yeah, but not not everybody's supposed to put up a guardrail. Some people ought to just relax. <laughs> but um, I mean, I understand what you're saying, but I think too that Paul dealt with all this in First Corinthians 14 and 13 and 12. And so well, the I, Corinthian church was a bunch of fanatical about it. They were totally fanatical, and that's why he addressed it to the degree he did. Uh, but most churches today aren't like that. I don't think. I mean, but you well, know, like I, God, I've, like I was saying before, though. I mean, whenever I deal with the issue of tongues, this is my personal conviction of what I do. I don't enforce this, and as if you're at church with us, then and you pray behind the microphone in tongues. I never correct you. I never pull the mic away from you. I never condemn you. I just feel like in my own personal life, from scripture, what I've seen 
it was my conviction not to do this. And um, but I do have a I mean, in my prayer life, I, I mean, tongues is very vital to it. And yeah. it's a very important part of my prayer life. But for me, because of what I've seen in Scripture, my personal self, it don't matter what church or what I'm doing, I, I try to hear what I believe Scripture is telling me to. But at the same time, if Hannah was up there leading worship on Sunday morning and if she starts to pray in tongues behind the microphone, in no way am I going up at her after service and say, don't do that again. And Well, you probably wouldn't, but there'd probably be 10 in the church that would be talking about it. And that's what I'm saying. The immaturity level in the churches is terrible. Mm-hmm. It's just too much, too much finger pointing. And you know, there ought to be. And I, and I don't pray when I've got that microphone on. Very seldom do you hear me pray out in the spirit. <clears throat> if I do, it's as usual interpretation of what I'm praying. I mean, I've had the spirit come on me, tongues of interpretation mm-hmm. while I'm praying. Which and I think that's so, what Corinthians fourteen would talk about the tongues and interpretation, right? And and I think I I don't know. I, to me, it's just it just shows a level of immaturity that people are too quick to um, say you know come down to one scripture and say, well, no, you know, if everybody in there is praying in the spirit, that's okay. But if somebody in there doesn't, then you shouldn't do that. Well. How are you going to go through a congregation of 150 or 60 people and know who is and who ain't? You know what I mean? So usually what that does is just calms, this takes the spirit side of it plumb out because nobody in there knows who who likes it and who don't, or who receives it and who won't. And I, I just think we need to, I, I think we need to be more relaxed about it. And I'm not trying you know, our church is probably as calm as, I mean, you probably, a lot of people probably think we're a Baptist church and don't even believe in that. But we we try, I think the level of our congregation has grown to the point that they normally know what to do and what not to do. Uh, and I'm not saying we're superior to everybody else, but it's, I, I've just seen it become too big an issue. Nope. Nobody in there was trying to say, look at me, I pray in the Holy Ghost. Um, but people are, are quick to point the finger. Mostly, mostly, the the gift of the Holy Spirit in praying in tongues is for self-edification and building yourself up in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. And there are times when I don't know how to pray as I ought, no doubt about that. I, I should know better, but... I haven't heard the voice of the great shepherd to tell me which way to go here. And many times I'll seek the advice or the help of the Holy Ghost in a situation like that. And I, I don't see anything wrong with that. Now, if and there's a place for that and probably a place not to. I wouldn't do that in the middle of a, you know, the altar call. I wouldn't get up there and blurt that out. I'd turn my mic off if I was going to do that. My overall point is I think the church needs to mature uh, some all over, and and this not to be the issue. It ought to be something desired instead of something that seems to be uh, muffled. It's We're trying to muffle that out of our churches. And, uh, and it's unbelieving churches, for the most part, that's at the head of that. Uh, but I, I appreciate this one. Put my two cents worth in, and 
Thank you very much. Thank, thank you, brother, brother Trent. Trent. You have a blessed day. Thank, thank you, you, brother. All righty. And then uh, brother uh, Dwayne Kidd said too. You know, talked about that verse in Corinthians where it talks about um, tongues are for the unbeliever. Um, it's a sign of the unbeliever. I've dealt with that scripture quite a bit in the context, and um, I'm continuing to deal with it because I want to understand what that's actually really relating to because I've heard a lot of people talk about different ways of that scripture because it right. talks about, you know, then the tongue is for the believer, not for the unbeliever, the prophecy. Yeah. I'm sorry. Um, but again, I don't think for me it's uh, it's whenever we put up the guardrail, I don't feel like it's so much a, a squashing. I feel like it's just protecting us um, because I feel like that's what Paul and them did as well. Um, of just putting up those those guardrails because we've I don't want to fall off another cliff to try to teach people how to speak in tongues I don't want to fall off another cliff yeah. of misusing something because really um, my my passion this is my passion is just to see what the the word right. says and follow the word mm-hmm. and that's I, that's and my I, passion yeah and I don't want to go against anything that's if it's in the word of God and it's for me I want to desire it and I want it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right, in my life, as long as I'm living, as long as I'm doing the things of the Lord, if it's in the Bible, guess what? I want it. There's a purpose for it. If it's in there, there's a purpose. You got it, Hannah. There might also be ways we can abuse it, but we don't need to throw it out. Amen. That's yeah. good. I think we can use that principle with everything. Yeah. But I did want to say with the self-edification, um, I can definitely, I know that it says that <clears throat> about tongues, but I think any form of a prayer language or praying in the spirit is definitely still edifying to the whole body when it's done in not in a self, um, not in a distracting way. Like when it's done in a in the right way, because even in your personal prayer time, when you're letting the Holy Spirit pray through you, it's doing more work for the kingdom and more work for your brothers and sisters than we probably realize. And I've seen the evidence of that. Um, of just letting the spirit flow through you in prayer time. So yeah, yeah. I mean, I think in prayer time and you're you're praying and stuff like <laughs> I do think it's it's I I believe in a prayer language 100 percent and I think it's very important and it's very vital to um, the New Testament church. My 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 uh, my uh, I guess you would say my intention when we talk about the edification thing. And and it's like it may be permissible, but is it profitable? I think that includes in a lot of areas. But like again, if if you're seeking the Lord and you're needing an answer for something, if I just come up and pray in tongues for over you for fifteen minutes and don't give you nothing though, if mm-hmm. you have no interpretation, yeah, um, that's a time where I think Paul was talking about prophecy is better when mm-hmm. you're having maybe a one-on-one like. Um, prayer with somebody or an opportunity like that but I think corporately we can see tongues and the um, utterance and groanings being helpful for the body when you're not like directly speaking to somebody because I have seen you know people pray in tongues over someone that was broken and that really needed really needed a word from the Lord really needed to hear you know words that they could understand and um, that person never got that in that circumstance. And I think in those times we just have to use discernment and let the Lord guide us and um, and not always do what's easy to us because for some their tongues might be easy like you were talking about earlier. Um, but I think it just depends on the situation and we have to go, we have to follow the Spirit. Yeah. One listener says, did this church do anything right? Always hearing what's wrong with it, opinions. Well, I think that we're in a season of repentance and repentance is not just laying down sin. It's about changing mindsets. 
And so I think the church had ignored a lot of things and didn't deal with a lot of things for a lot of years. And so we just kind of let everything go as like a free for all. And what we're doing now, we're in a season of getting things straightened out. Mm-hmm. And honestly, our kids and younger people and, and middle age and everything, we're having to deal with things now because previous generations didn't. And that's from 80 to 8. It is not an age restriction. I'm talking about generations that went before the people that's on the earth today. I'm not saying they're bad. I'm not saying anything like that. I'm saying they didn't deal with certain issues. Just like politically, we kick the can down the road or put the things under the rug and never deal with anything. And then when you finally pick the rug up after 23 years of putting stuff under there because you don't want the dust to sweep it up, you got a mess on your hands. And, and I'm not deterred by trying to fix things. Because if you look at the New Testament, a lot of the New Testament is fixing things. If you look at the epistles and the prophet, I mean the epistles and Paul, you know, Philippians, Colossians, um, First and Second Corinthians, James, all of these are correcting things in the church. Yeah. But do we talk about a lot of good things in the church? Of course. Even this morning, we've talked about things God's doing, things God's moving in, life's being changed, um, reaching the nations, going and seeing the glory of God fall. But all of that doesn't happen if we you know, don't deal with the situations we need fixed too, because we need the anointing. We need the glory. And just because you show up on church doesn't mean you get the anointing. Come on. And so if there's some things in my heart that's not right, I need to fix it. Yeah. And, and I know that some people, um, a lot of the people that's in, um, that, you know, like there's a group of people in the earth today that is being called excessive. And we're just pushing the limits too far, you know. Where you sh- why why are you picking on Halloween? Why are you doing this? Why are you doing all this? It's because we don't want anything in our life that is offensive to the Holy Spirit. Because revival doesn't happen because we show up and sing a song or two. Revival happens when my people, who are called by my name, humble themselves, pray, seek His face, and turn from their wicked ways. Yeah. That's when revival happens. Come on. Revi- it never says when my people come to church and sing a song and hear a sermon and give a tithe check and go home. It's when my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek their face and seek his face and turn from their wicked ways. Then he will hear from heaven. Then yep. he will hear from heaven. And so I don't find, like, for me, I just want that. Like, right. if, if it's something in my heart not right, get it out. I want to seek his face. I want to know his truth because I want our land healed. Mm-hmm. And our land healed is not, it's never going to be healed by church service. It's going to be healed by the body of Christ arising in the earth with a fire and a tenacity and a glory that's surrounding them. Yeah. And so mm-hmm. that's just my heartbeat. No, it's a good heartbeat. I mean, it's uh, pretty amazing. So. That's right. Um, all right. Anybody else? we got a couple minutes left. <laughs> I just want to say from experience and just the word of God that if you have not received a prayer language, if you have not prophesied, but you see fruit in your life from the word, if you see the the Holy Spirit growing you and molding you and you see things changing, don't be discouraged that you haven't spoken in tongues yet. Or maybe you never will. Maybe you never will have that gift, but you'll have other gifts. But just don't get too caught up on the gifts and get caught up on Jesus and how you see the fruit being produced in your life because that's what that's what matters the most. Yep. I think with some questions, people try to justify, and I mean ourselves sometimes, justify why we do what we do is right and that ain't. You know what I'm saying? We go back to the Word of God. 
and we understand that according to scripture we are commanded to do certain things we are commanded to more or less be filled with the Holy Ghost so be filled with him as you go about your day to day if you say I ain't filled well be filled because that's what the Bible tells us to do right well we love you guys so much we're going to be back tomorrow 7 a.m. Central Time here on Mornings of Box 2 Radio on the Box 2 Radio Network <laughs>